Father, us to be in your presence and to enjoy your working in our hearts and lives and to hear your voice as if the Holy Spirit cleanses and renews our hearts, that he gives us new life, that he opens our eyes to the truth. And so, Father, that's what we're praying here this morning is that you would do that You have done that for so many of us already. If there are those that are gathered here this morning that that do not know Christ as their Savior, that your Holy Spirit would, would do his work of renewal in their hearts. And for those of us that are yours, Father, that you would purify us this morning so that we might commune with you in your word, so that we might hear what you have to say to us so that the process of life change might continue throughout these next few moments as we dive into the truth of your word. Father, we thank you for the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ, which cleanses our hearts from sin. In his name we pray, amen. Thanks, folks. You can have a seat. I don't know how many of you have ever seen it or are familiar with it, but in 2001, no comments from the peanut gallery. I know you guys weren't even alive in 2001. (laughs) But in 2001, a movie came out called Castaway. It was a huge hit. It starred Tom Hanks, and the storyline was that he was an employee of FedEx, and he got on a plane to go overseas to deal with an issue, and there was a crash of the company plane in the middle of the ocean, and he washed up on a deserted island. Of course, fighting for his survival, what he realized over the next few days and weeks was that the tide was gradually bringing some of the packages from the plane into the beach. And so whenever in the morning when he got up, he would go down to the beach and he would look and if there are packages there, he would take them up to his little campsite where he was just scrambling to survive and and he would open the packages to see what was in them and see if there was anything that was helpful. Many times there was nothing helpful. One time there was a pair of ladies figure skates which he uh, lashed to a stick and used for an axe and other little things that he did and one day a package washed up that had a design painted on it. It was the FedEx box but it had a design on it and he was about to open it and he He hesitated. You saw the battle in his mind. He hesitated and he set it aside. He spent four years on that deserted island and he never opened that package because he had this hope in his mind that one day he would be rescued and he was going to deliver that package because he was a FedEx employee. Well, Anyway, you can watch the movie sometime and see how it ends. Uh, But a few years ago, during the Super Bowl, they spoofed that ad and had a scraggly-looking guy that bore some passing resemblance to Tom Hanks getting off the island and carrying the package up to the door of the person that it belonged to and ringing the doorbell, and they came to the door, and he said, Ma'am, I just spent years on a deserted island, and this package kept me alive, and he handed it to her. She was kind of underwhelmed by the whole thing, and she just said, Thank you, and she turned to shut the door, and he said, "Uh, could Could I just ask what's in the package? 
And she said, oh, sure. She opened it up. Uh, nothing much, really, just a, a satellite phone and a GPS tracking beacon, um, a water purifier, and some vegetable seeds that I ordered. And, of course, the commercial ends with him completely devastated and crestfallen. Uh, can you imagine spending four years on a deserted island and having everything that you needed right at your fingertips and not opening the box? That was the message of the commercial. Well, last week we started looking at this little book of Second Peter. If you have your Bibles with you, you can begin to turn there. 61 verses packed full of very critical information for us if we're going to be the people that God wants us to be in this world here in 2022. You remember we talked about Peter for a moment. Peter was the disciple that was brash and bold and impulsive and a little bit uh, unhinged sometime. And, and the Holy Spirit transformed him from that into the strong, dedicated leader for the young church. We talked last week about the fact that we are dead in our sins and Christ makes us alive. Remember we saw in those first few verses that, that we can't even strum up the faith to believe. Peter says we have obtained faith from God. God is the one who opens our hearts, who, who draws us to himself and gives us the faith even to believe. God chooses us and he changes us by the Holy Spirit. He gives us great and precious promises. Remember that Peter said, in fact, what we read in those first four verses is that God gives us absolutely everything that we need so that we can live godly lives. We are absolutely lacking nothing. One of the things we said last week as we kind of got toward the end of what we were doing is this. If you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and you are not living a godly life, it's because you have chosen not to. See, sometimes we have, this, we have this little feeling that bubbles up inside of us, even as Christ followers, when things are really difficult or we're struggling in our walk with God, and we say, why doesn't God do this? Why doesn't he do that? How come I don't have this? And we make excuses. We make excuses for not walking with God. Peter says there is no excuse. He's given us everything that we need. No one is exempt for this, from this. God can change every heart, and that should give us hope. Because we do struggle sometimes, don't we? It's okay if you nod your head. We do struggle sometimes, right? But this gives us hope. We have everything that pertains to life and godliness. But here's the thing. Now we have to do something with what we've been given. God has given us all of these things. In fact, and this is what we're going to talk about this morning, we must progress in our faith. Last week we obtained faith. Now this week we must progress in our faith. 
And if you're wondering why I started this message talking about Castaway and a spoof commercial from the Super Bowl, here it is. You need to open the box. You need to open the box. You need to see everything that God has given to you and move forward and build on your faith. That's what we're going to see here. So look at 2 Peter chapter 1. Last week I told you, I didn't tell Tim that I was going to say this, so he's hearing this now, whatever theater he's in in one of these. Uh, I promised you that we were going to look at every single verse of 2 Peter, all 61 verses over the next nine weeks. Now some of you know, I'm headed on vacation in a couple of three weeks, so it's going to be up to Tim to bring this home. So you keep him to that. We're going to look at every verse of the 61, and that means we're going to pick it up right where we left off last week. So 2 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to look starting at verse 6, or verse 5 rather, through verse 11. We're going to read them first, and then we'll back down and, and look at them. So verse 5 of 2 Peter 1 says, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay, there's a lot there that's very important that we have to look at. And what I want you to notice here first, in that first verse, number five, how does Paul suggest that we respond to everything that we've been given? Right there in verse five, look at it, it says, for this very reason, because of everything that we have, make every effort to supplement your faith. Now the phrase make every effort implies an earnestness. It's a diligence. It's an enthusiasm. It means put everything into it. Okay? We must respond with, with maximum effort, even urgency. Um, some of you know I've, I've told you this before and in different times we've been up here, that I, we don't have live TV at our house. We do what probably many of you guys do too. We stream some things, but we don't have cable or live TV. So we don't get to see a lot of live sporting events, which was took me a while to get used to, but I'm, I'm kind of over it now, especially with all the stuff that's going on. But one thing that I do get to see is the Super Bowl, because there's always a free live stream of the Super Bowl somewhere online. And a couple of three years ago, I don't remember which one it was because the Patriots and Tom Brady were in the Super Bowl so many times. I hate to rub it into you non-Patriot fans, but one of the years that the Patriots were in the Super Bowl, I remember getting ready to watch it and getting all set up, and then all of a sudden, it wouldn't work. 
It just wasn't happening. I don't know if it, I didn't know if it was the cable, if it was my computer, if it was the connection to the TV, whatever it was, but it wasn't work. And so I was scrambling. I mean, it was kickoff time. It was ready. We were ready to go, and I couldn't see it. And I was rooting through. We've got a couple of containers at home. Maybe you do too. That are full of like 813 miscellaneous audiovisual cables from every device that you've ever had in the last 30 years, and you hate to throw it away because you know as soon as you do, it's the one you're going to need, and you're going to have to go to Walmart and pay 15 bucks for it so you keep it. But then when you need it, you can't tell which is which because it's all in a big tangle. Anybody else? Yeah. So I'm tearing through this. I got the cover off. It's in the middle of the floor. I'm ripping these things out. I'm trying. Why? Because I, I wanted to see that game. I wanted to see... Tom Brady win another Super Bowl, which he did. (laughs) That's the picture that Peter is giving us here. Make every effort, all diligence, all enthusiasm, even urgency. Why? Why? Because we have this perfect and complete salvation And now we have to work it out. Now we have to live it. See, true faith is the starting point for growth. That faith we talked about last week, that's the starting point for growth, for what we call sanctification. If you don't know what that word means, we could simply say that sanctification is becoming more like Christ and less like us. (laughs) We need that. And Peter says we have to pursue it. Make every effort, look at the next word here, to supplement your faith. Literally, to supply, to to furnish, to outfit. When a soldier goes to basic training and gets trained and and goes through all the weeks of, of preparation and then gets ready to deploy to the battlefield, one of the things that they do is they outfit him. They get him kitted out with his vest and his, and his fatigues and his boots and his helmet and his rifle and his, his belt and supplies, everything he needs. And that's what Peter is saying here. We need to supplement, we need to build out our salvation by adding things to our faith so that we can do what God wants us to do. A few weeks ago when we were talking about partnership, I said this to you, some of you may remember it, that we are not saved to sit, we're saved to serve. And that's what Peter is saying. Okay, God has given you this amazing faith, this perfect and complete salvation, and now, now your responsibility and my responsibility is to add to that faith, to build on it, to supplement it, so that we can live the way that God wants us to live. Now, in case some of you are wondering, Scripture does tell us, of course, that we have the power of the Holy Spirit who is at work in us, who does change us and make us who he wants us to be. But Peter says we also need to give everything that we have to it. That's why Paul says in Philippians 2 verse 12, he says you've got to work out your salvation. Now, some people look at that, or they may glance at it and not really pay attention to the context and, and build a whole misdoctrine on that and say, well, see, 
Paul even says it himself, we need to work for our salvation. That's not what he says. He says you need to work out your salvation. God is the one who is working in you. If you keep reading in Philippians 2, God is the one who is working it in you, but you need to work it out. You need to give every effort also. Let me ask you this question. Is this how we pursue growth and progress in our spiritual lives? Are you pursuing that in your life? You're a Christ follower here this morning. Say, oh, yeah, Mike, hey, I believe in Jesus. Yeah, I'm so thankful that I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. How do you pursue your spiritual growth? Are you pursuing it with all diligence, with even a, a sense of urgency? Or are you just giving it what you've got left over? Hey, you know what? On Sunday mornings, I can usually squeeze out an hour to get to church, and I'm good. That's all I got. How are you pursuing it? Supplement your faith. And what do we supplement it with? What do we add? Peter is specific here. Again, beginning in verse 5, he says, first of all, we add to our faith virtue. Virtue means moral excellence. It means righteousness. It means separation from sin. It actually was a term that the Greeks used often uh, for heroism. It's not a private virtue. It's a public virtue. It's a demonstrated virtue. It's a lived-out separation from sin. Remember, again, a few weeks ago, we talked about the fact that many people say, well, my faith is private. Don't want anybody to know. Don't like to spread it around. It's nobody else's business. It's just mine. Here, again, is another indication that that is not New Testament faith. That is not true Christian faith. The way that it is described for us, it's not private, it's public. Add to your faith virtue. My friends, do the people that you interact with on a daily basis, whether it's at home, at school, at work, wherever it is that you go and spend your time, do they see in you virtue? Do they see in you a separation from the sinfulness of what's going on in this world? They should. Peter says right off the bat, man, you've got to add to your faith virtue. They've got to see a difference in you. Add to your virtue knowledge, he says. Now, we've talked about knowledge already. We, we talked about it last week a little bit, and we said that that word knowledge in that first little section, verses 1 through 4, is knowledge that comes from close contact. Remember he said a couple of times, a knowledge of Jesus Christ. We only know by saturating our minds with the truth of Scripture. This word knowledge, it's the same root word, but it's a slightly different version of this word. And this word actually means discernment. So Peter says, here's this faith that God has given you, this perfect and complete salvation. I want you to build on it. By adding virtue, righteousness, that others can see. And I want you to add knowledge. I want you to add discernment. Here's what that means. Last week we talked about the fact that you need to accumulate knowledge. You need to know more about Jesus Christ. That's incredibly important. You only find that through God's Word. Now Peter is saying you need to take that knowledge that you are accumulating and you need to use it. You need to put it into practice. 
That's what this version of the word knowledge means in the original language. Not accumulating it, but practicing it. When I was a kid, my dad pastored a, a little small church in central Maine, just about two and a half hours north of here. And uh, it was like a really tiny church. And they couldn't really afford to support him. And so my dad worked in construction as well at the same time. He would pastor this church. I'm actually not really sure how he did it, but he would pastor this church. And then he worked 50 hours a week in construction. And so I grew up around my dad working and tools. I remember playing in his workshop. I remember trying to build little projects and my dad helping me with stuff and, and then starting to learn how to use the tools myself and he would show me things and I began to try to help him with little projects around the house. Then when I got to be in Bible school, I spent a few summers working for a carpenter. I wouldn't have called myself a carpenter at that point. I was a, I was a carpenter's helper. Uh, I was the low man on the totem pole, whatever needed done, that's what I did. But I did begin to learn some things. And then later when we moved down here, I started working with Rob Smith. Some of you know him, uh, doing carpentry projects. And then over the past 18 years, Tim and I have built all kinds of things together, including our houses and a whole bunch of other stuff. And I've accumulated this knowledge, this carpentry construction knowledge. I wouldn't call myself a professional carpenter. Tim and I like to maintain our amateur status, so nobody expects too much of us. But I do know how to do some things. Now, it would be a shame if I had all that knowledge in my head and never used it. And so I started to accumulate some tools of my own. And now sometimes people call me, and I go over and I do a little project, and I make a little extra money to supplement my income. I'm using the knowledge that I've accumulated over the past 40 years. This is what Peter is talking about when he is referring to our knowledge of Christ. Okay, you're accumulating it. Now you've got to use it. Now you've got to put it into practice. Look at verse 6. And knowledge was self-control, and self-control was steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness. So to that knowledge, add self-control. Literally, the word self-control here means to hold oneself in. It means self-restraint. Really, this is discipline. This is discipline. We need to practice controlling ourselves. This word is often used in this culture in the first century uh, Roman Empire. It was often used to describe the athletes who would participate in the games in the Colosseum or very shortly thereafter the Olympic Games. If you're an athlete, there are certain things you should be doing and shouldn't be doing. There are things that you should be eating and shouldn't be eating, Right? I mean, I don't know how many of you guys still harbor the dream of, you know, playing in the major leagues or playing in the NBA or the NFL or anything like that. But I can tell you one thing, you're not going to get there by sitting on the couch eating Doritos all week, right? You got to train, you got to exercise, you got to get fit. That's the word that's being used here, is discipline. Peter is actually saying, focus on your training regimen. 
So what's the training regimen of the Christ follower? What are we talking about? Well, again, last week, we mentioned saturating our hearts and minds with Scripture. Instead of saturating our hearts and minds with TikTok and Instagram and YouTube videos or whatever it is that you like to fill your mind with sometimes, fill it with Scripture. What areas of our lives do we need discipline in? Well, we need it in every area, don't we? Some of us need to discipline ourselves in the area of anger. We're awfully impatient. We're awfully irritable. We're often angry at the things that are happening around us or to us. Sometimes we need to discipline ourselves in the area of judgment of others. It's very easy for us often to look around and say, hey, why is that guy doing that? He shouldn't be doing that. Why isn't he doing this instead? We need to discipline ourselves. We need to discipline ourselves as Christ followers in this evil world in the area of our sexual appetites. We live in a culture that is that is hypersexualized, and it's everywhere. We need to discipline ourselves. We need to discipline ourselves in the area of food, in the area of exercise. Physically, even, is important. Peter is saying we need to say yes to the things that we need, and we need to say no to the things that are harmful to us. We need to add that to our faith. The next thing that he suggests that we add is steadfastness. The word steadfastness here literally means to remain under the load. If you can picture yourself going for a hike and and picking up a 40-pound backpack and striking out after a while with good intentions of getting some exercise and going to the top of the mountain and then going a half a mile and thinking, man, you know what? This would be a heck of a lot easier if I just took this heavy backpack off, right? This word means you leave the backpack on to remain under the load. It means that when you are living your life, when you're walking along through your day, that difficult things that are happening to you, the things that your family is dealing with, the things that you are wrestling with in your heart, in your mind, those things that weigh you down, Peter says the Christ follower needs to add steadfastness, the ability to remain under the load and to keep going. Don't make the mistake of replacing this word, steadfastness, with the word patience. Patience is too passive. Patience looks like what you guys are doing right now. You're like, well, it's quarter to 11, only 15 minutes to go. I can hang in there. No, not some, some of you are paying attention. That's patience, right? It's passive. I can just, I can wait this out. I can, I'm going to last. I'm going to make it. Steadfastness is active. It means I know what's going on. I know the burden I'm carrying. I know the pressure. I know what it is that that God wants me to do to please him in this. And so I'm going to keep going. That's steadfastness. Add to that godliness, Peter says. Godliness is simply a, a reverence for and a devotion to God. And that comes as a result of understanding his character. That's why 
We take the time to open God's Word every time that we're together. That's why we encourage you to be as part of a small group. That's why we teach classes during the week. That's why we challenge you at home alone to pick up your Bible and open it and read it every day because that's how you learn who God is. And that's the only way that we develop a reverence for Him and a devotion to Him. Verse 7. And godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. Well, some of you may know this, but the word brotherly affection is literally in Greek the word Philadelphia. Brotherly love, love for the brothers. So add to your faith a love and a care and a concern and a compassion for your fellow Christ followers. Just take a second right now and just look around. Just look around. It's okay. I like it when you pay attention to me, but right now, just look around. Theater two, theater three, just look around. See the people that are around you, behind you, in front of you, beside you, okay? Peter is calling us to supplement our faith with a love and a concern and a compassion for the other people in the seats with you today. Your brothers and sisters in Christ. If you truly love Jesus Christ, you will love his church. You will love his bride. Now, I understand I have two brothers. I was talking with Brooke and Sienna for a minute after church about their loving relationship with each other as sisters. I said, hey, I know what, I've got two brothers, and I love them. I would do any for them. Now, there are anything for them. Sometimes when, when I wanted to, you know, smack them, but they're my brothers. We have disagreements sometimes. We have to figure out how to get along, but ultimately we would sacrifice everything for each other, and that's what we have in the body. We're brothers and sisters. Yes, sometimes we disagree. Sometimes we get frustrated with each other, but because we love each other, we figure out how to coexist. We figure out how to care for each other and how to love each other. And then finally he says, add to that love. This is a completely different word from the word Philadelphia. This is the word agapeo, and it simply means God's love, Christ's love, a love that's sacrificial, that focuses on the needs and concerns of others. Well, on to verse 8, Peter shifts his focus here to the results of supplementary our faith, he says, For if these things or these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you are a Christ follower, then you have in you the seeds of all of these things. You have the seed of self-control and discipline. You have the seed of virtue. You have the seed of discernment, the seed of compassion for your brothers and sisters. But now it must be growing. It must be overflowing. It must be obvious. Why? Because that's the only way we can be effective and fruitful. That's what he says right there in the verse. Did you see it? This is how we keep from being ineffective, idle, lazy, We need to be productive and helpful in the kingdom. Once again, notice where these things are found. He says it in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. 
verse 9. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. If you don't develop your faith this way, if you don't walk this way, you won't be able to discern your true spiritual condition. Let me ask you a question. Answer this in your mind only. Has there ever been a time in your life when you have questioned whether or not you were truly saved? Whether or not you truly belong to Christ. You would say, oh, you know, I love God. I want to do what's right. But then sometimes you're just like, I, I just, I'm not sure. Have you ever questioned your place in the family of God? Okay? Now, if you have, ask yourself this question. Was it at a time when you were faithful in the Scripture, connected to church, connected to other Christ followers, and serving actively? Or was it a time when you were kind of drifting in those things? Just answer it in your own heart and mind. I'm willing to bet it was in the latter. When you had distanced yourself from God, when you were not spending time in His Word, when you were not faithfully gathering with other believers and being taught. You see, Peter says here that when we don't continually work at developing our faith, supplementing the salvation that God has given us with this kind of growth, there will be no assurance of our salvation. The Christ follower who is not growing, who is mired in sin, is most miserable. And there's a feeling, there's a sense of lostness, of fear, of doubt, uncertainty, to the point where he will even question whether or not he's truly saved. actually had this conversation with many people. Peter is talking about spiritual blindness and spiritual amnesia. And what a terrible place to be in. That's what Peter says here. Did you see it? Having forgotten that he was cleansed. How could you possibly, how could we possibly forget that Jesus Christ has gone to the cross for us and that he has cleansed our hearts from sin and that the Holy Spirit has given us new life. How could we forget that? When we drift away, when our Bibles get piled on top of with many things, that so many things that we can't even see them, when we can't remember the last time that we were together with the believers when it's been weeks since we've prayed. Peter says he's in danger of being in the self-perpetuating cycle of sin and disobedience and discouragement. So what should we do? Look at verse 10. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. What should we do? We should be even more diligent. You remember 20 minutes ago when we read what he said in verse 5? What did he say? Make every effort, all urgency, 
All energy goes into growing and opening that box of everything that God has given to us so that we can become like Him. We need to make haste. We need to go fast. We need to get going. We need to get moving. That's what this word means. Be all the more diligent. We need to get going so that we can confirm our calling and election. Make it solid. Now, there's an urgency here, even an eagerness. If you're a Christ follower, my challenge to you this morning is is to get moving. Get into action, seeking, learning, practicing self-discipline, practicing discernment, practicing steadfastness, practicing caring for each other so that you can enjoy the reality of your salvation and be confident that you belong to God. I don't know if you knew this or not, but God wants you to be confident that you are His child. It does not please God to know that His children doubt their salvation. You see it here. Make your calling and your election sure to know that God chose you. We need that assurance, don't we? Tell me, are there not days when you need the assurance that God chose you, that you are His? Now let's notice just a couple of things here in this verse. Number one, our choosing doesn't need to be confirmed to God. (laughs) Some people look at this verse and they look at it all wrong. You better get to work, buddy, so that God knows that you belong to him. That is the opposite of what Peter is saying. Peter just told us that God himself is the one who gives us our faith. Your calling, your election, your choosing of God, by God, to be in his family does not need to be confirmed to him. He knows. Okay? He knows. The confirmation is for you. It's for me. We need to be reminded. We need to be reassured. Know also that our security is based on his choosing of us, not our faith. Can I just tell you this? Maybe you know this, and if so, I'm glad, but I'm guessing a few of you don't. We don't keep ourselves saved. God does. We don't keep ourselves saved. God does. There is a difference between our security and our assurance. God's actions secure our salvation. Our actions assure us that that is true. (laughs) Do you see the difference? Nod your head if you see the difference. It encourages me to know that you get it. There's a big difference between your security and your assurance. God's actions secure our salvation. Your actions assure you that it is true and that you are His. And also, this in turn strengthens our walk even more and our confidence grows and we become more consistent in our walk and our service because our spiritual growth is a sign to us that we are saved. That God, through His Holy Spirit, is at work in us. Now, my friends, Peter is not talking about perfection. He's talking about progress. He's talking about growth. 
Verse 11, for in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So the constant, consistent pursuit of holiness and living in light of the blessings that God has given us in our salvation assures us that we are saved and God, who has already blessed us in so many ways, will reward us on top of that when we get to heaven. Friends, listen, you must progress in your faith. Are you moving forward? Let me ask you this. Are you more virtuous than you were a few months ago? Are you more disciplined than you were a few months ago? Are you more steadfast than you were a few months ago? Where is the fruit? Where is the life change? Let me read this little quote for you as we close. The kind of faith that makes a verbal profession while the heart continues to pursue sin is not true faith at all. My friends, if God has given you faith, if he has saved you, then make every effort to pursue that by adding to your faith. Keep going. This growth, the sanctification in our lives is a lifelong process. It's one step at a time. It's one day at a time. That's why steadfastness is so important to keep going so that we might be just a little bit less like us and a little bit more like Jesus Christ. Pray the prayer together. Father, thank you so much for this great salvation that you have given us, this faith. You've opened our eyes and our hearts to see the truth. And I pray now that you would just give us the courage and the strength and the determination to pursue this growth, to add to our faith, to build on our faith by the way that we choose to live our lives. I pray that ultimately we would be less like we are right now and more like the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for us. Father, I pray that these things will not be quickly forgotten, that you would allow them to sink deeply into our hearts and as we leave this place here momentarily, that we would be a light in this dark world, that we would be salt that we would love our neighbors, that we would live with integrity, that we would share the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ with those that we meet. Father, build your church. Build it through us as you have promised to do. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks, folks. I hope you have a great week.